No matter what your week has been like, whether it's been a good week or a bad week, he is still working. Because he's a way maker, a promise keeper. What an amazing promise to claim this morning. I just want to have another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, just thank you. Thank you for always being there and always working in us, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. You're, you're still there. Lord, just be with me this morning. Help me to give the words that you want people to hear. Open our minds, open our hearts, and we ask the Spirit's presence here with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a bit of housekeeping before I begin this morning. In the email that went out, you may have remembered that there's a second reading of a membership transfer, meaning the family at TAF is growing today. Kara Simons has asked that her membership be transferred from the Westminster SDA Church to here at Taft. Do, is there anyone want to make a motion to accept her request? I see all of those. If you're watching online, welcome her in the chat. Welcome, Kara. Welcome to the family here at Taft. And, and not only are we going to grow this week, but next week we're going to grow as well. You see, next week, I'm going I'm to put this series on a hiatus for a week because we're going to have a guest speaker. For those of you who are a bit more seasoned, like how I said that, that, that's just a nice way of saying that you're old because I feel like I'm in that group too. For those of you who are a bit more seasoned, you may recognize the name Michael Brackett. Michael is a pastor out in the Oregon Conference. He's originally from here. His family are members here at Taft, but Michael's going to be in town, and I've, I've invited him to take over and preach for us next week. But not only that, we're going to have a baptism next week. So the, the family will continue to grow, and it's, it's, it'll be amazing to, to see a baptism. You know, it's with the times that we're in, it's hard to do that a little bit. A lot of people have been hesitant to do baptisms, but we have a way that it's going to be safe, and it's going to be an uncle baptizing a nephew, so it should be perfectly fine. But I can't wait for next week to join, have another member join our church. So as you know, we've been in this series called Wisdom for Life. This is week seven out of 10. There are three more to go after this week. And we've been looking at the book of Proverbs and what it has to say about some of the biggest issues in our lives. We've looked at everything from money to relationships to parenting to marriage. Well, today we're going to visit the wisdom on marriage again. We looked at it last week, but this time we're going to look at it for those who are looking to get married. Last week, we looked at it for those already married. This week, we're going to look at those looking to get married, and we're going to look at the wisdom on marrying well. But 
it's not just for the single. So if you are married, don't worry. You, you can still pay attention because it isn't just about marrying well, but being well married. So we're going to discover what to look for in a spouse, but also what we should be as spouses. Well, let's see what the Bible has to offer us. And remember when we read through these verses that the language we're going to, to read is oriented for what a man should look for in a woman. And there's a reason for that. The language is going to be oriented toward that because that was the day and time it was written in. It was the man who did the initiating, the man who did the courting, and the man who did the proposing. The burden of choosing well fell on the man. And many times in that day and age, the woman wasn't even in a position to say no. Because a father often decided whether a marriage was going to happen. Their marriages were often arranged in that day and age. But today, it's different. Women are in a position to do a little evaluating of their own. So remember, when we go through these verses, it's not just men evaluating women on these things, but often the very same things can be used by a woman to evaluate a man. So let's begin and start with the importance of marrying well, because that is the very first question. Why should you marry well? Proverbs chapter 18, we find this. It says, find a good spouse, you find a good life. And even more, the favor of God. Then Proverbs 31 puts it this way. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. The most significant relationship you will ever have in your life is your spouse. It's the most intimate the most lasting, the most strategic, and the most critical relationship you will ever have. It's the one that can bring you the greatest joy or the greatest pain. It can fill your heart or it can break it. Nothing should be entered into more carefully, more soberly than marriage. So Proverbs tells us to set the bar high. But that begs the question, what's the bar? What do you look for in a spouse? The first thing Proverbs would, would suggest is to look at their character. Proverbs 11 puts it this way. It says, a wife a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Proverbs 12 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife 
is like decay in his bones. Now, it's easy to talk about character, but do we really know what it means? Did, did you catch two big words we just looked at? Discretion and disgrace. The word discretion has to do with judgment, the making of wise choices and decisions. It involves the ability to judge and to act properly. Someone who's careful in what they say and what they do. The opposite is someone who acts disgracefully, meaning they act in a way that's not discreet, that's not careful, that's embarrassing, it's shameful. They act in public in a way that reflects bad conduct or bad taste. They, they are not people who are respected. So we're given two powerful words, discretion and disgrace. But, but that's not all. We're also given two powerful images. We're told that a woman may be beautiful, but if she acts without discretion, she's like a ring in a pig's snout. The beauty is wasted. The second image we're given is like, she's like decay to her husband's bones. Another way of putting that would be it's like bone cancer. When you think of someone that you want to marry, notice how they act. How they behave. Notice what they do in public. How they handle certain situations. How they react to those situations. Are they discreet? Or are they a disgrace? Look at their character. Proverbs then says, then the next thing you should look at is their personality. And one personality trait in particular it focuses on. Proverbs 19 says, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping. Now, again, remember, this is talking about one way, the language, based on the language back then, but it goes both ways. Proverbs 21 puts it this way, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Then again, Proverbs 27 puts it this way, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. Someone who's quarrelsome is someone who's constantly stirring up dissension. They're always creating conflict. They're always picking a fight. They're easily offended. They're eager to be wounded, and they take things the wrong way, what seems like all of the time. They get their feelings hurt at the drop of a hat. 
So why so much about this one trait? Because in a marriage, a person like that is not easy to live with. In fact, think of the imagery we just read of how, that would highlight how awful it could be to, to live with someone like this. It's like a constant dripping. It's better to live on the edge of the roof or even out in the, in the desert than to live with someone like this. And you can't do anything with them. Did you catch the language? Stopping someone like that is like trying to stop the wind or to hold on to something with greased hands. We've probably have all been around people like this, people who are just looking for a fight, looking to be offended, ready to go off at a moment's notice. And you wonder, how could you live with a person like that? It would be like walking around on eggshells. It would, it would suck the life out of you and your family. So look for this. Watch out for people who are needy, who are hypersensitive, that are quick to take offense, that are eager to be wounded. Watch out for that constant moodiness. People who just can't seem to ever be happy. Those who always see that glass as half empty and never half full. So that's what you should, what you, you should look to see what they don't have. But what should you look for? So what are the positives to look for? Well, Proverbs 31. Has, that one chapter has kind of taken on a life of its own. There's even a national ministry named after Proverbs 31. And the reason is because in that chapter, there's something of an outline for a godly, attractive woman. But as I mentioned, also there's a lot in there that men can learn about how to be a godly, attractive man. So I want, I want to read Proverbs 31, the, a big chunk of it. So let me just get through it and read it. And then we're going to look at, take, kind of pull some things out of that scripture. Proverbs 31 starts out and says, Who can find a virtuous, and capable wife. She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plans the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has 
warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Pretty impressive list, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty close to perfection, and it may make you feel like I could never do that, but, but we can pull out of there six basic characteristics that you should look for in a spouse. The first one is that they should be hardworking. Laziness is a killer. It infects every aspect of your life together. What you can achieve and how well you can live your life. Now, there are all kinds of laziness. There's not wanting to exert yourself. Not wanting to push yourself, not wanting to stretch yourself, not wanting to challenge yourself, not wanting to go the extra mile, not wanting to be aggressive, not wanting to take, ever take responsibility, not wanting to do what it takes to care for yourself and for others. A willingness to work and work hard is an important mark of a person's character. Second, your spouse should have a commitment to stewardship. Someone who has no concern for thrift, who's always looking for a bargain and making the most of what they have. Now, they don't have to be a financial whiz. You just have to be somebody who's careful and disciplined and thoughtful. Because irresponsibility in this area can be very difficult to live with. Someone who purchases foolishly and drives a family into burdensome debt is not exercising wisdom. A third characteristic is that they should have a tender heart. They should be gracious and giving and caring. Someone who isn't callous, who isn't self-serving, isn't cold or indifferent to the needs and the emotions of others. Because that can kill a marriage. You want to watch how someone is to the disadvantaged, to the poor, to the defenseless, to the, to the vulnerable. And when you do, you will have a window into their heart. And with that, 
you'll see how they will treat you. A fourth characteristic is their care for their appearance. People should try to take care of themselves in terms of their bodies, their appearance, and their dress. Now, I'm not talking about in a flashy way, but in a classy way. You may have heard it said that you can dress attractively without dressing to attract. See, if someone has a tendency to let themselves go, it's only going to get worse. And if, if that sounds superficial, I don't mean it to sound that way. You see, caring about your appearance means that you care about your reputation, that you care about how you're perceived. After all, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You care about how your spouse feels when you're together in public setting. It's really not about as much about the life that you're wanting to lead, but the spouse that you're wanting to please, about the God that you're wanting to honor. Now, if you do it for the attention, or you do it to get looks from strangers, then it ceases to be virtuous and simply becomes worldly. The fifth mark that we can look at has to do with wisdom. A wise woman or a wise man is not necessarily someone who's read a thousand books or has an advanced degree or knows a lot about philosophy. A wise person is someone who has a Christian mind, who thinks biblically, who responds virtuously. When you ask them something, their answer is going to be informed by their knowledge of the Bible, by their walk with God, and by their life of prayer. It'll be a measured response. Wise people don't talk first and think later. They don't give you what the world says. They will give you what God says. And finally, perhaps most importantly, the person we should look for is not necessarily charming or beautiful. And in fact, we're warned to not be taken in by such things. But instead, the sixth characteristic is an inner beauty. We have all been around people who, when you first meet them, they might not bowl you over with their social skills. Their conversational abilities at a party might not be all that great. They might not have very good witty banter. And quite frankly, their looks might not be perfect. But the more you're around them, the more you see just how beautiful they are. That, that inner beauty starts to radiate outward. And over time, it translates into our view of their physical beauty. Whereas a person who only has outward charm or only physical beauty over time doesn't wear well. Soon their beauty begins to fade, and I don't mean through aging. Their charm is just cheap. Now, we have walked through all of this, so I want to give you a couple takeaways beyond what we've already covered. You can call it a little pastoral advice. 
First, for those of you who aren't married, set the bar high. Do it by knowing what it is you're looking for. Don't waver in your evaluation because you'll never find perfection. But what you want to do is watch for patterns of behavior that violate these standards. It'll prevent you from being swept away by the two things that are specifically mentioned as not mattering, charm and beauty, which is what most people fall prey to. Second bit of pastoral advice is take your time. See, dating today is all screwed up. It usually begins where it's supposed to end with romance and physical affection and then ends long before it ever gets to where it's supposed to begin with friendship and knowledge of someone's character and personality. See, the goal is giving a relationship the time it needs and the time you need to see if the things that Scripture says to look for are really there. And that takes time. It takes time to see them in the kind of situations that reveal these things. I've never known anyone to regret a long engagement before their marriage. But I've known many people who have regretted getting married too soon. So take this seriously. Don't think you're going to marry someone and then whip them in the shape or develop their character for them because here's the truth. Whatever path they're on, whatever character flaws they have will probably only intensify. Sure, Christ can work a powerful change in someone, but if they aren't cooperating with Christ now in these areas, why do you think when they marry you, they're somehow going to change? Chances are they won't. If it's not a desire in them now, don't bet that it'll be a desire later. And then finally, a word to those of us who are already married. Rather than hear all of this and feel defeated by all that you aren't or discouraged by all that your spouse isn't, take the wisdom of Proverbs as a set of goals, guidelines, as a roadmap to self-improvement and a way to improve your marriage. Put a copy of Proverbs 31 and put it on your refrigerator. If you're quarrelsome, and you probably already know if you are, if you're quarrelsome, work on it. If you've gotten a little slack in your appearance, make the changes necessary. Sharpen up your work ethic. Get a little bit more organized. Spend more time with God. See, none of this is beyond anyone's reach. Proverbs 31 women and men are not born. They're made and they're developed. Because these things are all part of God's plan 
for all of us. And it can revolutionize your marriage. Because not only do you change, but when one spouse is on a track in this direction, it challenges the other spouse to make changes as well. So one final headline for you. Marry well and be well married. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom that you give us in the book of Proverbs. Thank you that you're always there and that, that, that you want us to make wise choices for those that are single today that may be looking for a spouse. Help them to focus on those characteristics that you lay out and to make a wise choice in figuring out who to marry. And for those of us who are already married, help us take, to take these things and to improve our marriage. None of our marriages are perfect. They can all get better. Help us to make that commitment to improve. In Jesus' name.